Greetings and salutations, fine people. I'm Patty Alvarez. Welcome to The Good Soul, a show where we'll have supercharged chats with everyday humans from all walks of life and unpack what in their story will inspire us all. We'll extract the untapped wisdom, distill it, and serve it up to you in all the right ways that will engage, enlighten, and most of all, inspire growth within your soul. I think people are awesome. So join me on this journey through the hearts and minds of ordinary people to uncover the good soul within you. This is The Good Soul. Welcome everybody to The Good Soul. I'm Patty Alvarez and this is episode three of The Good Soul. And our topic for today is one that I hold near and dear to my heart, mental fitness. So I began my mental fitness journey many, many moons ago when I walked on hot coals with Tony Robbins back in Washington, D.C., and I have never looked back since. I'm a firm believer that we all must play an extremely active role and be an extremely active participant in our mental wellness, and it's not something that's just going to be delivered to us. So through yoga, through reading, through walking, through eating and praying and loving, I found myself in a really great place sitting in front of a microphone trying to inspire you to to exercise your free will and in your mental fitness. And what better person to have in front of me, or should I say next to me, than my good friend Chris McClure. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. Well, it's great to have you. So Chris is um, an old friend of mine from when I first moved to Mooresville. I feel like I knew you before um, I even moved here, uh, where you were here in the Amy days. I know that. Yeah. So do you know around when you started at the studio? I do. It was late fall of 16. Late fall of 16. It's all, it's all tied to a very specific timeline. For okay. Me. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. wow. Oh, I love that. Okay. Yeah. We'll get back to that notion. That was good. Tied to a specific timeline. So um, that would be two years after we opened. So that's about six years ago. almost. Before you owned it, right? Before I owned it. Yep. Yes. I bought the studio five years ago, okay. but we just celebrated our 10 year anniversary. So lots of good things happening here. Lots of mental wellness, should we say. Um I have a friend who was in India and she got into the taxi when she left the airport and she said to the, uh, the, the driver, she said, I'm here on a yoga retreat. I'm here to do yoga. And he said, well, and she, oh, she said something like, do you do yoga? Does everybody do yoga here? And he said, well, everything is yoga. Everything is yoga. And it kind of takes me back to a saying that my father once said, and it, it sticks out in my mind. I probably think of it every day is Um, you're either moving in the right direction or the wrong direction. So pretty much in every action we take, every deed, every thought, every bite, every gesture, right? It's pulling us towards the light, right? Or it's sucking the life out of us, right? So um, we go to the gym every day. We brush our teeth every day. We change our cat litter every week. We uh, wash the dishes every day. I mean, all the things we do every day why can't we normalize our mental fitness? Why can't we make that a normal part of everyday life? Now, we do live in the yoga world where a lot of people do, right? Mm-hmm. You live in, and you could speak a little bit to your history, but you live in a very um, self-help oriented environment, I mm-hmm. would say, um, a very awakened um I guess crew is who you, I would say you run with, right? So you're used to this, but somebody like my husband, right? Some your average guy, your average football watching, you know, American dude thinks that therapy and thinks that um, self-help almost creates more problems. I don't know. Maybe it's going to be opening up 
um, a can of worms that they don't want to get into. Mm -hmm. But um, on that notion, tell me what got you involved with um, this vocation? Like, What got you started? Oh, gosh. It's so funny you say it that way. What got you involved in this vocation? Um, so I spent 20 years in corporate America. I was a I was a, the reason I'm down here in North Carolina is because the enterprise that I worked for, which was headquartered in Dayton, Ohio, um, moved me down to be a, a, a sales rep and a, and a territory manager. So okay. I was never really happy with that. Right. Um, was it Lowe's Corp that brought you here? Or? Lowe's was the biggest customer in that swap. Okay. I think so, I remember you telling me that yeah. when you're going through yep. your transition. Yep. And it was, um, it was a really great company to work for. And I'm, I'm extremely grateful for that. Um, because I was never happy, I uh, I think if it was a if it was not a great company, I would have left right. and pointed the finger at the company and the fit. Okay. But it was a great company, great pay, um, yeah. great places to go, and I just wasn't wasn't ever happy. Yeah, I feel like I had a front row seat to all that. Like when it was when you were going through your change. When you yeah, were... Well, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, the thing that actually drove me to that point though was i found uh i found recovery from alcoholism in 2012 we had already moved down here okay and when i found recovery i was work also working with a therapist and i, had, I was sober about two years and that therapist uh had helped me button up a few things with my personal life and with my relationship with my wife okay and I liked the process. And she was like my ninth or 10th therapist. Of course, right. the previous ones didn't really get the true version because I was trying to keep my drinking world going. Okay. She got a true version of me finally. And I really loved the process. And she said, what are you going to do with your career? Yeah. And she knew I was miserable. And I was yeah. like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, we can't, I can't leave this. And she said, well, here's what you do one step at a time. You start pro and con lists and so I, I made a few lists of, of things that I wanted to be when I grew up and she, and she, and none of them included being a therapist. Oh, and okay. She said, why don't you, why don't you put be a, be a counselor on that list? And I was like, no. Were you actively involved with 12 step at that point being yeah. a sponsor, having sponsee yep. and all that stuff? Yeah, okay. absolutely. So you kind of had a little bit of momentum. You mm -hmm. enjoyed working with people. I'm assuming the, the one thing that I will always remember is, is telling somebody if I could sit and have coffee with people all day long and just get to know their story and get paid for that. Mm -hmm. That's what I would love to do. Okay. So I don't exactly do that, but it's, it's pretty complicated. I think you kind of do that. <laughs> um, silly question. Is your wife sober? She is. She is sober. Mm -hmm. um, what was the tipping point for you? What, um, I mean, you don't have to get too detailed if you don't want, but what was there, was it family and friends or was it within you? My crap was hidden pretty good. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and, and my wife's recovery was, was a little after mine. So, um, you know, probably 10 years before, maybe eight years before my sober date. Um, I remember having little kids at home and thinking it can't be normal that people, that people drink this much all the time. Okay. And what's going to happen if we're passed out and something happens in the middle of the night. And that yeah. was like this deep distant thought, but I couldn't sure. face the idea of like living yeah. sober. Those thoughts grow over time. Yeah. And when, when you struggle as when you struggle as much as, as a lot of people struggle on a spectrum, right? I've got, my body reacts differently to alcohol. My mind reacts differently to alcohol. And, uh -huh. um, I guess what I'm saying is I struggled significantly, but I didn't have the consequences. Okay. And so the, the, the tipping point was, 
after trying it my way, doing the self-help way, yeah. so many different. Were you going for abstinence at that point or? Yeah. You yeah. were. It was clear to me that, that the, the way that my physiology responded to alcohol, um, yeah. that abstinence was, was the only way. And, and I frankly couldn't imagine a life without it. Yeah. So I got, I got fairly suicidal. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that about you. Yep. Now I, I didn't ever have any attempts, but when, yeah. the, when the thought became real, yeah, that's when the shift happened and, okay. and I sought some, some pretty desperate measures yeah. for help Okay. and was willing to kind of put all the self-help stuff to the side right. and do things a little different. And you have young kids, you had young kids at that mm-hmm. point. So yeah, that's pretty harrowing. Yeah. I had a, um, I had a situation in my life, which is a little bit different than yours where, um, I was just drinking more than I was comfortable with. And everybody around me was saying, um, no, no, Patty, there's nothing wrong. And I was always the life of the party and having parties. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? A two-year-old doesn't understand hangovers. I'm just not going to drink anymore. To which a friend said to me, then that makes you not an alcoholic. Patty. <laughs> if you can say that and not drink, maybe, but maybe not. And that, that's a great, that's a great way to kind of end this segment. So thank you, Chris, for sharing that story with us. That was so fantastic. Love learning how Chris got here. And I look forward to learning more about about Chris. I'm sure all of you agree. So stay tuned. Don't move. Don't touch that dial. We'll, we'll be back for segment number two, Mental Fitness with Chris McClure. Don't go away. Welcome back, everybody. It's The Good Soul, episode three, segment two, Chris McClure, Mental Fitness. Let's talk about it. Some find it taboo, right? And others live their life for it. So in our first segment, we talked a little bit about your story and I wanted to fit this in the first segment. So we're going to fit in second segment. Mm-hmm. So Chris is a counselor. What would, what would you call your, your formal title? My formal title is I have a license for marriage and family therapy. And then I have a, a second license on the substance abuse side. It's called a clinical addiction specialist. Okay. So I just okay. say counselor. You say counselor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what we say on the street. Counselor, that's probably. So to everybody um, who didn't know, who didn't listen on the first segment, Chris did work in corporate America and computer. Basically, I would say around Lowe's Corp was one of their uh, their clients, which is what brings a lot of people down here, which I find always funny. If it's not Lowe's, it's NASCAR. So, but I just (laughs) want to read you guys an excerpt, or I should say um, questions from Chris's website, which he started his own private practice, which is called the Get Well Institute, the Get Well Institute. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you're going to fall in love with Chris. You can always email or text the studio and I'll get you his information so he can save your soul, too. But in the meantime, mm-hmm. especially you boys out there, I want you to hear these questions. Listen, Manny, my husband is sitting in the corner. Listen, <laughs> are you frustrated and feel stuck in a loop with relationships, professional burnout, unsustainable behaviors or general life satisfaction? Are you motivated to make real changes, but not sure where to start? Have you considered yourself a high performer, but not sure that's really gotten you so far? Ever asked yourself, how did I get here? Beautiful. And you, I guess, asked yourself pretty much those same questions. I I really wanted the the top of the website, like the, the first thing people read, I wanted to kind of touch them with what I bring to the table. And sure. I have found, yeah, I've found myself asking myself those questions yeah. at various different times. 
Yeah. And it's almost like a call to action of sorts, which is what my business coach always teaches me. Like make sure on the website, you kind of identify a problem, right? right? And click here because we're going to save your problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. A, but no, it's really, it's, you're doing good work though. So it's not like cheesy or like too businessy. I mean, it's just, it's really great what you're doing. So second two, I really wanted to get into, um, again, something I hold near and dear. Now, I, I come a fam- from a family of three daughters, and my father was a very mild-mannered, easygoing individual. My husband comes from a family of three boys, and his father is, to this day, a very um, kind of, I don't want to say hot-tempered, but fiery. Mm-hmm. Um, he's from Spain, so the machismo is in full effect, not only with his father, but with his three brothers as well. And I say that as a compliment. I think it's cool. I think there's, you know, there's a lot of things about him. What, what did you say? Yeah, no, it's fantastic. I mean, that's what I love about him. I mean, his fiery, but, um, you know, like every couple and contrary to what lucky and love episode one and two would lead you to believe we obviously have our, our conflicts and, and, um, once in a while, every woman at some point will say to her man, like, why don't we go to therapy or mm. why don't we end? You know, he's immediately, he's rolling his eyes for, you know, you guys can't see. Um, are people that go to therapy weak, right? Is that how some men feel? And women are like, no, like, I think we need a referee. I think we need somebody to organize all this stuff. So speak to that. It's such a, um, I'm having trouble with this earpiece. Sorry. It is, um, so the answer obviously is no. You're not weak if you come to therapy. Uh, you expected me to say that, right? Of course. Um, I think that what you're diving into, though, about the relational aspect of therapy is a very different and unique thing that if I could take us on that tangent for or a rabbit hole for just a moment, is sure. really, really important. I find it interesting how brave men or women are that come in that are willing to talk about things they've never talked about, ask questions they've never asked. But it's a, it's a, it's a weird dynamic because if they have a partner at Mm -hmm. home, the question that I'm going to give them is, have you told your partner about this? Mm -hmm. And often the answer is yes, but it's not. (laughs) They've tried in a machismo way or, Mm -hmm. uh, or a passive aggressive way. They've made one little attempt five years ago. Like, give me an example. I'm a closet smoker or I don't know. No, I want better for my life. Oh, okay. Um, Okay. I I want to, I, I'm not happy in this relationship and here's why I don't get enough attention. We, We don't have date nights. Those are the types of things that I'm, I'm thinking of. Okay. It just, it, it's, it's close to my heart right now because there are so many of my clients that come in that do some really good individual work Mm -hmm. and they start to grow and eventually there's a separation. Yeah. Well, they become a new person. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But when couples come in and they've hit a bottom together and they say, listen, we need help. We do need that moderator. Yeah. It's, you want to talk about courage and bravery. That's at a whole nother level because now they're taking a risk right in front of each other. And they're learning how to communicate at a different level. And that is going to bring them together, no matter what the circumstances are, in, in my opinion. Yeah. So, so that isn't what you were asking me. No, um, but that was great. I mean, that was completely valid. And, and like that, I, I think the world needed to hear that information. So do you feel like typically most of your clients, they come in as individuals or and, and not only your clients, but as a whole, do you feel like people come in as individuals and end up pulling their partner in or 
do they come in as one? Majority come in as individuals and they stay, okay. they stay as individuals and then there's a separation, like I said, and I'm not, and I'm not sitting here encouraging people to separate. No, of course um, not. No. I, about 20% of my clients come in as couples. Okay. Um, but often the individuals, I will encourage them to bring their spouse. I have to be sensitive about my bias that's already been established because I, kn I know you, Patty, right. a lot better than I know Manny. Sure. Right. So. Sure. So if I'm going to bring you both in, I better get on his good side very, very quickly because he knows how much I've been talking to you. You know what I mean? Ah, and that's a okay. very, very big yeah, deal. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I do encourage them to, to come in, bring their spouse. That way I can look at the dynamics. Because often when I'm listening to somebody talk about their spouse, it's represented from a very hurt or biased front on their part. Yeah, yeah. Right? So it's hard to gauge the truth. And that's, in my opinion, in individual therapy, that's, that's a tragedy. Yeah. When they've got a partner at home. Do you feel the walls come down in these sessions? Not only as couples, but as individuals, like they'll come in and say like, oh, I only had three Twinkies last night. And then like a week later, you're like, I'm eating a box yeah. of Twinkies. Like, like people come in with yeah. one sort of, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the other thing is the. I want to talk about two Twinkies next week. It's five Twinkies next week. It's yeah. lots of pornography. Yeah. It's not even, yes. it's usually not even the Twinkies. Okay. Yes. Chris. Okay. So I, I don't know if you recall me saying this class, but I say this all the time. And I think I have this in like segment four, but I'm saying it now is how you do anything is how you do everything. Mm -hmm. So I think this kind of bounces back to what I said to you earlier when I said, well, I could just stop drinking and to what my friend said, well, Patty, that makes you not an alcoholic. But I do think I have, I know, and Manny can speak to this, I do have addictive tendencies mm -hmm. completely. Alcohol probably isn't my thing. It makes me nauseous. I'd rather be drinking water or soda. Mm -hmm. But there are other things in my life, whether it's work right. or, um, you know, there's, there's things in my life that I, I wish I could change. I love that you said that Twinkies to pornography. Well, and the, the truth is name the episode Twinkies to pornography. I, yeah. I really, and I can get on a soapbox here and people might roll their eyes, but I, I really think there's very few of us and I'm not one of them that walks around completely awake. I think mm -hmm. we use, I've got the new car now, right? Every yeah. time I get into it is like, there's this identity thing. Yeah. That before I made the career switch, I had dollar signs that were attached to my identity and they made it extremely hard to shift to go be a counselor. Extremely. Mm -hmm. It was my identity. Mm -hmm. right? I walk around mm -hmm. when, when I don't feel good, I'll go shopping on Amazon and it's not a huge problem. Like it might be yeah. a, a bad month, might be a couple hundred dollars. Right. Yeah. But still, like, what am I leaning on minute by minute to be OK or to hide my identity to you? Um, and it does, it kind of start the easy things to talk about are the alcohol, the Twinkies, right? you know, but there, I think there's very, very few of us that are actually awake. Yeah. So what do you think, how do you think that impacts your life? And is that something that you want to change? In other words, do we need to be awake? Like, it's a good question. Yeah. How's it working for you? Right. Yeah. Yeah. S some people are completely fine. And that's why I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable about our, if you come into therapy, are you weak? You know, people that don't come into therapy aren't weak or strong they just don't they're okay yeah and that's totally fine yeah they don't need to ask the extra questions maybe they already have maybe they never will yeah but so not not everybody comes crawling through the door no 
No. No, very few actually do. Some do. Interesting. Yeah. Really interesting. I'm going to read very quickly. I printed this out for you guys because these are some of the things that took me on my self-help journey. I'm going to read you a poem called The Splendid Torch by George Bernard Shaw, and that's going to close out our second segment. I want you to think about this a little bit. This is the true joy in life, the being used for a purpose recognized by yourself as the mighty one, the being a force of nature instead of a feverish, selfish little clod of ailments and grievances complaining that the world don't, won't devote itself to making you happy. I am of the opinion that my life belongs to the whole community. As long as I live, it is my privilege to do for it whatever I can. I want to be used up thoroughly when I die for the harder I work, the more I live. I rejoice in this for its own sake. Life is no brief candle for me. It's a sort of splendid torch, which I have to hold on to get hold of for the moment. And I want to make burn as brightly as possible before handing it on to future generations. You like it? Beautiful. Beautiful. Gorgeous. George Bernard Shaw. I had this taped to my office wall for many, many years. I, I still have a copy of it on what was, um, taped to my office wall in a scrapbook and I agree with you and and this is get this kind of gets back to what I said earlier about how um I don't know I think we have to play I think it's up to us it's our job to play the most active role in our mental health so on that note coming up in our next segment we're talking about to medicate or not self to medicate or self-medicate which a lot of us do so stay tuned we'll be back Okay, friends and loved ones, welcome back to segment three, episode three, The Good Soul Mental Fitness with Chris McClure, my fave. I know I add a, I always add an extra vowel or extra syllable into your name. I can't say Chris Chris McClure. So you never answer my question, my friends, right? So does going to therapy or self-help make me weak? Absolutely. It does. (laughs) Oh, oh, wow. um, So I... The answer is absolutely not. I just, I find it so cliche that it's hard to dig into. Um, The reason why I say no is because I think that's where the courage is. Okay. I I feel like to go in and say, hey, this is a forum where I'm going to talk about things that are, uh, that are really difficult to talk about that I may or may not even be willing to change, but I'm, I'm willing to come in and look somebody in the eye and hear myself say a few things that I've never said before. Yeah. That's not weak. That's, that is, I, I think that is one of the definitions of, of courageous. Of bravery. Yeah. It's absolutely. one of the bravest things you can do. Yeah. That's the person I want to go to battle with. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Okay. So are there different styles of, of, of <clears throat> like um, healing? So in other words, there are people who, um, can keep it simple. Like maybe if you were to take like a Tony Robbins approach and you were to go in and you were going to cry and dance in one of his workshops for a couple hours and leave like a new person, or there's people that need to lie on the couch and talk about how mama didn't give them enough love. And like, are there different approaches and do you follow a certain philosophy? I know this is kind of a curveball question. But... No, I love that question. Yeah. So yes, there's different approaches. We call them modalities. Okay. Um, and then we mix modalities with how, how we personally bring ourselves to the room and stuff like that. I I really think that there is no one answer for um, any type of person. I think I got to feel it out depending on what they need. I always am explicit and intentional and verbal about goals. 
Okay. What do you want to, what do you want to achieve in this process? What are the markers going to be that tell us that you're getting what you need? Right. And sometimes people will come in and say, I just need a safe place to talk. Uh, Fine. That's the okay. venture. Lay down. Yeah. I'll, I'll listen. Yeah. Right. I would be your box checker. Like let's have goals. And every week I'm going to do uh -huh. something every day for you. And I'm going to come back next week, like a good dog and tell yep. you exactly what I did. Yep. Yeah. And you're going to tell me how great I am Yeah, and I'm going to feel good. Yeah. I love those people because it's very easy to follow a process. Oh, yeah. Right? Okay, in, good. In my, my old corporate days and yeah. my man brain, my intellectual and rational brain. I can, yeah. I can walk through all that stuff. Yeah. Um, the, the tough ones are the people that say I want to heal from childhood trauma, but they, they have no idea what that entails. Like the, the heaviness, yeah. the heaviness of something like that is yeah. is uh, is very, very real. Um, well, in other words, put down the burden because you yeah. can't change what happened. That's right. Right. You it's can't change done. what happened. Yeah. But trauma affects the, the brain, which is an organ and okay. the nervous system in a very unique way. And oh. there, there are ways you talk about. So I do a, because I'm a, a dual licensed therapist. I get a lot of addiction and a lot of trauma. OK. Um, there's there's one modality. Uh, called Internal Family Systems. It's, it's uh, created by Richard Schwartz. He's still writing books and doing podcasts. Okay. Um, it tend it it attends to the voices in our head. Okay. The personalities that present themselves when my wife gets angry with me, or mm -hmm. when I'm invited to a podcast, and yeah. who shows up making the most noise? What's that voice Ugh. about? What are the motivations of that voice? Yeah. What's the <laughs> name of that movie? Split. Yeah. yeah. That's a, did you ever yeah. see Split? Split is is a. Uh, That's the extreme version of yes, what you're talking it's about. It's an extreme version yeah. of the exact same thing. Yeah. Re research shows that we all have these different motives, these different voices. Ooh. Um, and <laughs> it's and it's a phenomenal, uh, it's a phenomenal practice to get people to slow down and mm -hmm. to be more mindful of what's going on inside. Mm -hmm. And most importantly, for addiction and trauma, what is X Y Z voice protecting? When, when were they born? How old do they think you are? And it really gets some down to the, some of the childhood stuff. Yeah. And with accessibility to the childhood stuff, we actually can do um, some good healing. Okay. So yes, it happened. And it's, it's always going to be a part of your story. Yeah. But how can you not, how do you disallow that from impacting you when your wife talks to you in the same way? And that's a really simple example. Uh, yeah, but powerful and very, I'm yeah. sure most of us can relate to that. Right. I mean, definitely. We don't realize mm -hmm. what is, what do you always say to me, babe, when we're fighting and, or I'm cranky or something? Well, he'll say like, if I'm, if I'm upset or I'm ornery about something and he'll say, what's really what's, wrong, what's really, what's really wrong, yeah. you know, because it's not that I'm taking too long to clean my glasses when we have to leave and we're two hours late for a wedding and I'm cleaning my glasses in the driver's seat of the car in the garage. Yeah. But well, and then to that, I would say, which is kind of like what the overarching topic is for segment three is, well, how do you know if a person needs medication or doesn't need medication in yeah. your position? Right. I don't know. I you think, don't. I think that is, <laughs> that's the really important statement to make. I'm okay. not a psychiatrist. I don't prescribe. Okay. Um, I Do you have, ever push people in that direction? Absolutely. Though? I'll push them in a direction to get an evaluation from a psychiatrist. And I'll say, here's the medications that I've, that to, to my training and my understanding can help with something that you're going through. Okay. I have a worldview that, that um, medication is extremely beneficial. Okay. Um, at times. And, okay. In spots. 
and um, ideally, ideally, not for everybody, but ideally, you can go on to some medication to achieve some kind of stability, work on the underlying things, right. and then phase down. That's right. kind of the perfect world scenario if someone okay. is fit for, for medication. Okay. But as a counselor, that's not my area of expertise. Okay. So in a medication situation, though, if you're working with somebody mm-hmm. and you refer them to a psychiatrist mm-hmm. and they go on medication, right? Is that is kind of like a metaf- metamorphosis that you watch? Like you kind of work in conjunction with the psychiatrist? In conjunction. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So the psychiatrist isn't really sitting down and having these deep, dark conversations with them every week, like you, not deep, dark, but you know, right. these in-depth conversations yeah. every week, like you are, mm-hmm. they're hearing the Cliff Notes version of the story, saying what absolutely. they think. And then you're really kind of opening up and getting in under the hood with them. Yep. Absolutely. You got it. That's so amazing. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing about the mental mental health world today is uh, providers are so busy that it's very, very difficult to actually get psychiatrists on the phone to work with them. Yeah. Um, and actually, counselors are so busy that they're kind of in, in a similar boat. Sure. I've, um, as I said in the first segment, I'm, I'm doing this not for the revenue, but I'm answering a call. I'm, I'm sure. not doing this for the money. So I, wow. I kind of structure my my week. So I've got margin to make those phone calls and to do, to do the extra work necessary to understand the patterns and the connectivity with family practitioners, psychiatrists, maybe even physical therapy, sure, stuff like that. So it's, it's important to me to look at the whole process. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's not just one. It's kind of like uh, most, a lot of people, we always say the yoga studio, they come in, most people want to lose weight or they're, they're not flexible enough or, but let's just take weight loss. For example, I always say like the most important thing you can come here all day. um, But you can't outrun your fork. Like you have to control 80, 80% of what you, um, what like contributes to this would be of course, what we're eating. Um, They come into exercise. They come into um, get calm and get, as we say, awake or awakened. Right, right. But the reality is like, it's a, a, it's a whole host of things that really contribute to this. Mm-hmm. So, um, we kept going back to alcohol and the 12 steps yeah. and addiction and, um, self-medicating mm-hmm. versus, um, following the 12 steps, abstinence and, um, Moderation is another mm-hmm. option. Can mm-hmm. you speak to, let's start with moderation. Moderation is the easiest topic, I think, in, in the world. Is it hard for you? Specifically? Because you're not drinking. Is it hard no. for you? No, no, it's not. Oh, okay. No. You mean to talk about it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no. It's the easiest thing to talk about. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's it's the common middle ground for most people. Um, so if, if alcohol, let's just talk about alcohol, right? If yeah. alcohol is causing someone problems and they come in and they start saying, Hey, I think I've got a problem with drinking. We're going to look at their moderation tactics, right? right? What, what, what are your goals? How are you intentional about your drinking? Do you understand what it does to your, your dopamine receptors, right. your serotonin? Can um, I hit pause for mm-hmm. one second and add though? Yeah. This is not just alcohol. Again, no, this no. could be food. This could be Twinkies. This yep. could be pornography. This could right. be cigarettes. It could be ma- marijuana. I had somebody say to me the other day, I'm California sober. Do you know what that means? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All you do is smoke pot. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow, that's crazy. So I'm sorry to cut you off. But yeah, I you learn something you, you new every day. Because I'm start, not a pot smoker. <laughs> I, I start talking hungry. about specifics around alcohol, right? Yeah. Um, 
there are specifics around all those things. It, it might be a little harder to pin down when you're talking about Twinkies because everybody eats sugar all the time. But do yeah. you understand what it does to your brain? And are you willing to have a conversation about how it makes you feel and mm -hmm. what's going on in those moments just prior to reaching into the cupboard for Twinkie number seven? Why are you doing it? Yeah. Why are you doing it? Why are you it? doing it? Well, to fill a void. Yeah. And, and can we have those conversations with enough compassion to where there's honesty? Because I think we've told ourselves a lot of stories throughout the years as to, oh, I'm doing this because, you know, it's no big deal. Or I, I don't, I don't know what the story is for the various different thing. But the truth is when they come into therapy, they've been thinking about it usually for years. So that compassion do you think so it's a important. complete, like almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy? So if I do something, if I, let's just use Twinkies. If I am eating Twinkies and I don't want to be eating Twinkies, I eat the Twinkie. I hate myself after I eat the Twinkie. And I just get to say to myself, you see, Patty, you really do suck. I knew it all along. And you're just kind of almost reassuring yourself of these like daddy issues or whatever it is. I don't have daddy issues. My dad was great, but well, maybe I do, but you know what I'm saying? Like, what is it? Why? you you highlighted kind of the the the, gen, the genesis of the process but that uh, internal family systems the voices in our head mm -hmm. that thing gives it that modality gives a theory behind those things so we have a critic in our head we mm -hmm. have a piece of us that gets so upset that when triggered i must numb it or soothe it okay alcohol or twinkies okay can we hit pause on this yeah. notion okay Ending wrapping up segment three. We're going to pick up where we left off in segment four. Good Soul episode three, mental fitness and how it will help you. See you next time or see you in the next segment. Hey guys, welcome back to segment four, episode three, The Good Soul. Our topic today is mental fitness and God, the hour goes too fast. My God, it's like whoosh. But we ended the last segment with something really, really interesting, and we were almost going to bypass it. But Chris, I want you to speak. Um, I want you to finish that thought because it was so powerful and speaks to all of us. Yeah, it's it's this concept of uh, you you said self fulfilling prophecy, and and I I don't think that that is a, a great way to put it. Yes, it can be a self fulfilling prophecy, but effectively these these parts are at war with each other. And they, okay, so wait, self fulfilling mm -hmm. pro prophecy meaning I'm addicted to Twinkies, I ate too many. I eat them and I get mad at myself and yeah. I'm like, you see, Patty, you are a loser. You can't, right. you're, you are weak. Yeah. You can't stop eating those Twinkies. And I think the concept that that is missing is the fact that the Twinkies are serving a purpose, right? Okay. And so who's with, with this particular therapy, we, we get some of the um, interference out of the way. And sometimes it's really, really hard to do to get to that inner child. Interference, that inner voices. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Which are going to be the overworker, the, the, the yoga teacher, yeah. any of these protectors that have overachiever. Um, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, we get those out of the way. We get them to relax a little bit and we reveal this inner child. And when the inner child gets triggered, we find that when it was treated with a Twinkie or an ice cream cone, or maybe, maybe that's when dad was still alive and he would take you out for ice cream. Mm -hmm. It soothes in a very biological way that thing that's going on that was extremely traumatic or wounds that that child has carried around. Mm -hmm. And that role gets frozen. Now we go repeat, repeat, repeat. Mm -hmm. As that's repeated, the other voices become louder to try to manage the behavior away or self-criticize. And it does become this circular pattern with all these arrows pointing at itself. 
Okay. It's kind of beautiful though. Mm -hmm. If you put it in a certain way, like that, it's okay, honey. Like it's okay. This is why you're eating the Twinkies. Right. And we can control this. Like we can, we, we got this to identify with that and really kind of strip it down like that. Yeah. Because we all have some form of trauma. We've all suffered from some, I mean, there's one person I think, and she'd probably laugh at Sandy Mari. I want to do a whole episode and name it Charmed Life because she's one person I know who really hasn't to me. And she'd probably be like, no, that's not true. But, but hasn't suffered from trauma. No, she kind of, I think she knows. I've said this to her many times. Um, And she's such a lovely human being, you know, like she's not, oh, she's incredible. So she's not, she's just turned out so well. Like whenever I see her parents, I'm like, chef's kiss. Like you did such a good job with her, you know? And, and, and interestingly enough, like most of us, most of our heroes, most of our people who've who've, who've overcome adversity and addiction and abuse, um, turn out to be the most incredibly cool people. And so well-versed and well-rounded. And, you know, that's why it was always fun to like, um, to date the bad boy when we were kids. Cause they were these mm. like eccentric, you know, like kind of like, you know, very stimulating type human beings that, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's the same. So once the air gets cleared, right. And things start to crystallize um, once. Yeah. So that's a whole nother episode. She, so how, the way well, I have, no, I have my bad boy, but he's a good boy. Yeah, no, he is a good boy, but but he, you're still gritty, you know, and you're still like you're you're fiery, and and that's what's exciting to me. Um, my husband is sitting in the corner. If anybody needs Hello. to know, I, I want to throw one thing in. I love how you said we can handle this because it's that it's the voice of compassion and, yeah. and clarity and curiosity that gets in there to do some of the longer term healing for those inner children. Yeah, right? it's not the criticism. It's not the work harder. It's not yeah. stuff it away. Yeah. Say, what's going on in here? Now, yeah. if we can get that to relax, we can produce some self-leadership. And we've, we found in this modality. Right. And the name of it again? Internal Family Systems. Okay, you can Google that. You can Google it. Look for the book, um, No Bad Parts. It's extremely accessible. Okay. Um, we can no go, Bad Parts. No Bad Parts. But Chris, can yeah. I just say something really quickly? You brought that out in me. I have read probably hundreds of self-help books and done so many workshops and so much internal work, but you made that crystallize in me right then, right there. It was you. So I always saw it as a bad thing, you know, like you're bad, Patty, you you did this, you did that, you know, constantly we're a work in progress and we're always, you know, screwing up and picking ourselves back up. You brought that out in me. So tip my hat to you, you know, yeah, that's a gift that you have. Yeah. Hopefully any paid therapist gives that to the client because yeah. I, don't, I don't think there's any room in this world for criticism or just work harder. I, I just, I, I've tried that. I've yeah. I've tried it so hard. Yeah. I'm trying to stop. And I mean, I'm, I should, I'm trying to stop. I've been, I mean, I think we're all trying to stop really trying to be more compassionate and, and real with ourselves yeah. that why do we put ourselves through this torture? Um, but again, I think, as I said, when we were on our break, whether you're addicted to crystal meth or you're the happiest living your best life person, you know, driving through Cornelius and you're with your 2.5 kids and your mm-hmm. expensive SUV, whatever it is, I think we all suffer from some form of pain and some form of trauma. Mm-hmm. And what I want would want to know is where would you suggest the average person starts like they're not doing anything massively destructive obviously if you're addicted or being abused obviously seek the proper attention mm-hmm. right and proper help but 
where's a good, good place to start? What do you think? I think first is listen to this pod. If they're sitting here listening and this is resonating, yeah. um, continue to ask yourself questions. I, I think be intentional about what it is that is missing, what it is that you're looking for. And, and I got to tell you, I don't mean to be like the goofiest, most cliche bull, bull crap throwing therapist yeah. out there, but yeah. put pen to paper in the yeah. evenings, put pen to paper, try it once a week. Yeah. Try it once a day. I mean, you yeah. want to, you want to start looking at patterns, um, put down, what am I missing? Okay. What actions have I taken today to, to change that? Is it getting better? Start tracking progress. Maybe you don't know if it's getting better, but put it on paper. Right. That way you can see for yourself over a 52 week period, once a week, I've, I've done subjectively one through 10 in my battle with Twinkies right? or pornography or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. And, and if things aren't getting better, there's a lot of great resources out there. You can sure. look for podcasts, you can look for books, you can schedule a therapy session. Right. And that's just kind of the starting point. The world is extremely vast mm -hmm. in, in this industry. It's mm -hmm. much bigger than people think. And one question leads to three other questions, leads yeah. to nine other questions. Sure. Well, and people want to help. Mm -hmm. I think that's the most important thing that sadly, when we listen to network news and um, politicians were being told how horrible everybody is. Right. But I find 99.9% .9 of the people that I meet are amazing. Yeah. I read a really fantastic book called The Righteous Mind. This would not be the first book I go to for self-help, but it's a great book about our social and political differences. And it says at the end of the day, no matter what, no matter what guy you vote for, no matter what pill you take, no matter what um, God you pray to, at the end of the day, we all have each other's back. Mm -hmm. September 11th, you know, um, um, fires, bombings, whatever it is, everyone comes in. Nobody's asking you who you voted for. And, and that's important to me. Um, and, and that's a community I really try to cultivate a philosophy at Good Soul is that we're really non-biased. Right. Right. So we're not promoting any specific religion or dogma mm -hmm. or anything like that. It's more about um, having lifting each other up. Yeah. Yeah. And I think from a therapy perspective, it's first of all, my philosophy matches yours. I told you to check my website out. I asked, yeah. you know, do you think anything's going to be offensive or whatever? Oh, I, I, I do my very, very best to make sure my clients understand that I have a story, but that that is not going to influence where they are guided. My job is to help ask questions. Yeah. Once you can start asking the right questions, then maybe you'll start hearing yourself give the answers, right? Yeah. Because my answers aren't going to work for you. Sure. Does that make sense? Completely makes sense. Well, and that's a big, I, yeah. Well, we're all like, absolutely, absolutely. I, I feel like that's been another big problem we've been faced with lately is that I just, I feel like I had this epiphany recently, like, wow, we are all so incredibly different. We mm. are all looking through life through these different lenses, these mm. millions and millions of experiences that yeah. we've all had. Yeah. We make over 35,000 decisions a day, mm -hmm. right? And how and why we've come to make those decisions is all purely based on our own life experiences. So it would be weird if we thought the same thing. Oh my gosh, it'd be crazy. It'd Can be crazy. Imagine? Well, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be, we'd be robots, right? right? We wouldn't right. be human. We, so um, it takes a lot. I mean, a lot mm -hmm. of talent and for you to be able to come in and, and kind of to, to, to lead people to find their own answers. Yeah. 
you yeah, know i think it's the biggest thing um it's one of the biggest things i do is try to check my um my my barometer or my mm -hmm. dashboard for pace for direction for bias for you know the fact that i've i've got an abstinence based life for for my own self because i've reached enough pain to get there yeah not everybody is going to be in that in that realm right yeah and i'm yeah. going to do more harm by suggesting to people why don't why don't you try this it worked for me yeah and you will hear me say that from time to time in sure. those sessions well if you can relate to their situation yeah exactly yeah. exactly so well i think the most important thing i just i really want our listeners to take away from today and our viewers is that <clears throat> that you're not alone you know you're not alone that there are people out there mm -hmm. who want to help you and want to give you a leg up and i say this when i finish just about every yoga class if you're addicted if you're abused right if you're sad misunderstood if you need to know where to get the best sushi in town right you come to me and I, and I speak not only to my yoga students, but I'm sure Chris will agree. We speak to all of you when I say, if I can't help you, I will get you the help you need. We will figure this out together. You are not along, alone as long as I'm a part of your life, whether I met you 10 minutes ago or if I've known you for 30 years. So on that notion, I'm going to say this on repeat, right? If you cannot be kind, just be quiet. In the wise words of Brenda Zeno, I don't know if you ever heard her say that in class. But also, if you think you're the enlightened one and everyone else is an idiot, you are not there yet, right? <laughs> you're not there yet. So always be learning, always mm -hmm. be seeking and growing. And keep listening, keep listening to The Good Soul, because we're going to keep bringing you guys really fantastic content and inspire you. Chris, I know I was inspired by you today. So thank you so thank much, you, truly. You, you inspire me. Well, true friend through and through. So thank you. So guys, like, share, comment on our um, our on youtube on socials and we'll see you next week for the good soul thanks for being here bye-bye thank peace. you peace